0: Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising Podcast. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today we have a episode for the men. And I know that a lot of women will want to listen to this one as well to better understand men because that is so necessary as we heal our relationships with one another. So this episode is past episodes excerpts from past episodes coming together in an episode that is specifically about men and so i'm so excited to have to have a space where we can dive into all things around the masculine around men and really and how to support them to fully step into their power, into the provider, the protector that they're called to be. And so, yeah, can't wait to dive into this episode with you. If you feel called to support the podcast, please, please, please write a review. It helps so much to get these episodes out to a wider audience. And I absolutely love reading them. I love feedback. And the podcast is like, my greatest joy. I love doing it so much. And I love being on this journey with you guys. And so yeah, getting that feedback is, is really great for me. Yeah, please leave a five star review. Um, share this episode with any men that you feel might benefit from it. And if you feel called to support financially, there are links of the uh, companies that I am an affiliate for, companies that I support, that I use, and that I stand by. And so yeah, definitely check out the affiliates in the show notes. My go-to product at the moment are castor oil packs by the the Queen, Queen of the Thrones. I use my castor oil pack every night. I have witnessed a huge shift in my hormones, in my mood, and how I am receiving um, the supplements that I am taking all that kind of stuff. So I highly, highly recommend the castor oil packs. And that link is in the show notes. And there is a 10% discount for you there with the discount code Lisa Hillier 10. Now let's dive into the show. And so the first speaker is going to be Jaguar Hart. And you can listen to his full episode, The Strength of the Masculine, which is episode 61. I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my most favorite episodes on the podcast. Um, Actually, all three of these speakers, they're all one of my favorite episodes. So definitely check the full episodes out. And then the second speaker is Ja'Kal Malik. And his full episode is episode 77. And it's Union of the Masculine and the Feminine. Very powerful. And the third speaker is Mike Pantila. And his full episode is episode 113, the Masculine Christianity Movement with Mike Pantila. So yeah, I'm so excited for this episode with you with these three powerful men. Let's dive in. So with men and I'm seeing, maybe it's just because of the algorithms and what I get to see on Instagram. I don't know, but there's a lot more of a rise of men doing their work and it's incredible and it gives me goosebumps and it's inspiring. And so for men, you know, kind of curious, stepping onto this path, starting to dismantle the programs that are, that are going on within them, what are the core things that hold men back? If that makes sense, like kind of the the beliefs, the programs that hold men back, keep them maybe in addiction, however that might show up, and then what does it look like for the men that are that are stepping onto this path?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. Like, firstly, you have to we have to get away from cultural programming. We're seeing this a lot, you know, that men are just these bumbling idiots, Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson, things like that, like characters which have been deliberately portrayed as these bumbling oafs that are stupid, that just manage to get through the world on their own, that are largely dumb. We look at even like Marvel movies, there's a lot of female leads and female castings that go on. You know, there was this one, um, uh, uh, the Black Panther, and all the women are warriors, but they're all bald, like men. Mm. So it's like this confusing narrative which is going on. I was at the movies not long ago and my partner Luna pointed out to me, she goes, did you see the Australian Defence Force ad? I said, no. She goes, all of their commanding officers were women. So this is the subconscious programming, right? It's like the nation seals don't let women in because they can't complete the tests to get in. They can't. They're not the same builders men. They need men to do that, right? So you look at the elite forces. They're all men. And they have to be because our bodies are built differently. So we have to get away from the cultural programming of like the feminist agenda. Like I even had, um, you know, I've had multiple things around it. And I say this with the utmost respect to women, too. I love women. You know, I work with a lot of women. I want women to be feminine and men to be masculine. And I had a friend say to me a while ago, she goes, oh, there's nothing nothing is more dangerous on the planet than a mama protecting a child. And she had a kid. And I said, you're my friend. I care about you. But with all due respect, I could take your child off you, render you unconscious in less than 30 seconds. And there's nothing you could do about it. And this is like the delusion of it. This is where like men feel worthless. Like men feel like they're useless. Like, but when there's an emergency, who gets called men? When there's a war, who gets called men? Who's keeping this society to quote Jordan Peterson together from an infrastructure perspective, men, right? This whole thing collapses if men are not around, but the unfortunate programming of the feminist agenda has made it as though women are the warriors, right? Like I had a friend of our a friend of mine say, Oh, women can be warriors. I'm like, like I and I'll use a specific example I called out last year on Instagram I go where are all the real fucking men at like where are they at like am I the last one left on this planet that has had enough and is posting about this shit without being worried about being shadow banned or deleted or whatever like get the fuck out of here who cares the message is more important to stand up to this bullshit and one woman messaged me she goes with all due respect we need you to drop the mic and get the fuck out of the way so the women can handle this and I was like Okay, cool. So when the military or military uh, doctors are coming to your house to vaccinate your kids and they will take them unless you vaccinate them and I'm there, someone that can fight and protect you, I'll say, no worries, babe, you've got this, handle it good luck with that so it's these these narratives that I help dismantle for starters right Mm -hmm. the masculinity is fucking awesome it is it's a such an important part of nature I'm a very masculine man I like that about myself there's not a whole lot of femininity in me I am in touch with it but it's not I'm I'm super masculine so it's like I like that part and I honor that and I own that because it feels good to walk around feeling present and strong and you take up space it feels good Mm -hmm. and so What I do with that is I help to dismantle that with men to help them realize that they're valuable and they're an asset, right, that they have a strong use. To remove anything where you're getting belittled or anything like that in the way of it, right, which is the programming, which is men are rapists. All men are domestic violence um, criminals, basically. Coercive control is used more by women than it is by men, right, which is through manipulation and tactics to control and stuff like that. And we look at things of like the, a lot of the domestic violence ads in Sydney, Australia around men doing it to women. But women do it to men a lot as well. Like I was working with a with a guy and his girlfriend fucking hit him with a vase. I'm like, that's domestic violence. If That, that is domestic violence. If you'd done that to her, you'd be in jail. But if she does that to you... Maybe the cops might charge you, depending on what country you're in. It really depends. Probably not in Australia. You'd be like, oh, man up, buddy. Don't worry about it. But somebody loves smashing a vase over your headlight. It's fucking unacceptable. That's not okay. And so there's this imbalance around that. And so what I help men do is to move back into their bodies, dissolve the programming of powerlessness, which is a big one, to understand these programs. There's 12 of them. They have a masculine and a feminine arm. And so once they understand, like, this is my masculine compensation, this is what I'm attracting in, how do I start to dismantle that so I can allow this to go back to its natural form? That's what I'll help them with. And I also put it into them as, like, just a representation of a man. It's okay to have feelings and emotions, right? But we don't want to be taking all of our emotions to our women because a lot of women say, oh, we want a man to be more vulnerable and emotional and tell me everything. I'm like, no, you want a girlfriend. You don't want a man right? What the woman wants is the man to say, babe, I'm feeling pretty upset right now and I'm going to go and handle it and I'm going to go sit with it and I'm going to come back to you in an hour and I'm going to tell you and if I feel like it, I'm going to share what happened. But if I resolve and I don't feel like sharing, that's what I'm going to do. But it's got nothing to do with you and I love you and I'll be back soon. That's how you become emotionally vulnerable without Coming home and go, oh, my boss is bullying me, or the guys on the work side are upsetting me, and I I hurt my ankle because I was running up steps. Like that's like that's ridiculous, right? And it's not to belittle someone like or anything like that, but this is where we've gotten to in the state of men. Like men are coming home and like expecting their women to take all of it on for them, and it's like there is a there is a point where we have to say, man the fuck up, stop being a boy. You know, I was in my uh, group container the other day and i was with a guy and i said i'm going to speak to you man to man for a minute and i said get your fucking shit together you know and spoke to him like this and i said you're playing way too fucking small and i'm not going to allow it but you're full of shit and you're making excuses and the world needs you to be a man step the fuck up you know and it's like that's how i'll talk to a man and it's like okay another man's talking to me like this that's good but it has to be done from a place of a man that's living that which I am, I'm on point, I'm on purpose, I'm successful. I still have my moments, I still get angry, I still get pissed off, I still get upset. I don't get it right 100% of the time, no one does, but I'm okay with that. I still have moments I'm not proud of where I know in hindsight, I could have been better. But it's about having integrity about being out of integrity as well. You know, mm-hmm. where you make a decision that like, you know, man, of you word, I broke a decision that I um, said I wasn't gonna do two months ago, but then I had integrity about the fact that I fell out of integrity and that's okay. You know, so this is what we have to do with men and start to implement that. We have to get into our nervous systems to stay calm, to understand the programming that's working against us. You know, I always say to people, I don't write the rules, I just play the game. Once you learn how to play the game with that as a band, then it's different because there's a lot of stuff out there like red pill culture, which is toxic in my view, which is like pickup artistry and um, uh, like women are hypergamous and all this. I'm not sure if you've heard of that yet, no. but um, It's basically that like a guy called Rollo Tamassi wrote a book called The Rational Male. And it's about interrelational sexual dynamics and men and women that like women's sexual market value is high between 20 and 24, I think it is. And men is between 35 and 45. So after 25, women become less sexually desirable, right? And the women are hypergamous, which means they will jump from guy to guy. As long as it's an upgrade, they'll just keep jumping. And I had a conversation with this around someone and I said, I don't think every woman's like that. And he said, I do. I said, well, men are like that too. He goes, well, no, they're not. I said, yeah, because the male, when he gets into his forties or fifties, it's been married for 20 years. What happens when he starts banging the secretary? Hmm. He's doing the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. It's just a different mechanism. So we got to look at things like that and start to understand the nature of like being a high value male, where are you not on point or on purpose, start working towards your purpose become conscious, work through your childhood. If you've got some financial security, you know, between 35 and 45, are working towards your purpose or you're on purpose with no ex-wife, no kids, and you can move freely, you're in 0.01% of the population of men. If you've got a good body and you're good looking as well, you're in a tiny subsection of men out there. And so that's what I help men to start to develop and to look for with that. And, you know, we've got to look at that point from realizing that men are a prize. Women are a prize too. You know, the the toxic narrative is that, oh, yeah, there's another one like her, just get rid of her, you'll find another one. But it's dismissing the spiritual aspect of it, the karma that you come in to play out, the uniqueness of the feminine. And men are a prize because there's very few conscious men around like me as an example. But I've designed myself this way. I know where I want it to hit, and that's what I live within. Whereas the narrative in the red pill culture is that, oh, there's, you know, women everywhere, they're a dime a dozen, but men are the prize. And it's like, no, you get a real woman, she's a prize. and You get a real man that's high value, they're both prizes and that's why they end up together. Whereas like the people that are saying women aren't the prize, well, they're not a prize anyway, otherwise they wouldn't even be needing to say that people aren't a prize. It's all from insecurity, being hurt as a little boy or a little girl. And so there's a lot of toxic narratives out there around it. Like the red pill culture is just the opposite to toxic femininity in my, in my opinion. Hmm. So... When we dismantle the programming, it's through awareness, why we're like that, how to step into it, really using communication to assert yourself as well. And also presence. Like you'll see men take up a lot of space that are like, you know, alpha, whatever. I don't really like those terms, but they'll take up a lot of space. And that's a really important thing in the energetics to free up in order to command a room. So that's the stuff that I teach men. Mm,
0: What comes forward with the dark masculine, that kind of primal aspect of the masculine
1: it depends in which way it's used so there can be the primal one which is really more around like the dominance and the sexual aspect and stuff like that where porn has really hijacked that and so porn has hijacked the dark masculine which if you're i saw this the other day i can't remember it though but you can still be in the dark masculine as long as it's got the subtle energy of god behind it which is love right So that's when you start to make love at a primal aspect with someone. So that's where, and when I'm working with a man that wants to be like better as a lover, right? Most men these days are just copying porn, which you're a terrible lover if you're doing that. And if a woman likes that, she'll probably be programmed by porn herself. Then you've got a good lover. And like men are always like, what do I do to become a good lover? I'm like, firstly, become a good kisser, right? You become a good kisser. That's the start of it. But a good lover will ask questions, they'll seek inquiry, they'll start to notice things and you know, want to know how a woman wants to be touched and stuff like that. But then you get a great lover who will like know, like she'll he'll know when the temperature of the skin's changing, where there'll be slight goosebumps, where hairs will stand up and, and there'll be muscle contractions, looking at the quiver of her lips, the way her eyes are moving, the energetics of it. It's a full, it's a full immersive thing. So when you can get into that, plus access to dark masculine, then you start to Create an experience of making love, which is really not many men know how to do or are even aware of. Whereas they look at, once you can bring that dark masculine in with that subtle energy of God, that's where you become like an incredible lover. That's where you'll know where to take your woman three steps ahead of where she even knows she wants to go. Whereas like the dark masculine really has been portrayed in porn, which is very mechanical. And you got to remember porn, they're all actors. They're actors. It's, a, it's like a movie. It's not legitimate. It's not real. And the, even the interdimensional aspects of it that open you up, like it's quite satanic because if a man, when he's releasing, right, or he's ejaculating, that's a sacrifice at the altar of a essentially like businesses that support child trafficking. So there's all these interdimensional aspects that go with it. And that's why men that watch porn for a long time, they have erectile dysfunction. They need more extreme versions of porn to get off. You know, they don't know how to hold or treat a woman properly in the space of sexuality. I mean, sexuality is supposed to be evolution, which is physical ascending. So from the bottom three energy centers into the heart and spiritual descending, which is involution. So it's supposed to go up and down and meet in the heart. And once you start to get all of that right, then you can have what is real. That's why they call it making love because it's two opposites that are coming together to create the highest form of experience, which is love without any boundaries. That's why we melt into each other when we have an experience like that. And porn takes that away because most men fuck women like they hate them. And women are starting to find that satisfying through really rough sex and stuff like that, which most women I know don't like that. Most women I've worked with don't like that, but they've sort of tapped into it because it's tapping into that dark primal masculine, but it's at the unhealthy side. Whereas when you get to the healthy side, that's where you have an experience that that sort of mechanical sex, there's no intimacy there.
0: Are there any books that come to mind or? for you, of uh, entry points for men that are starting to?
1: Um, I'm self-taught. Hmm. So, I mean, Mantak Chi is all right, but I'm not a big fan of all. He uses a lot of clenching and squeezing exercises to have sexual health. There's a book called Urban Tantra, which is quite good um, for very basic stuff. The most important thing, and I can't uh, like express this more deeply enough, is you can read all the books, right? But if a man's going in from an ego perspective, he's just going to want to be like, yeah, I'm the king. The intention has to be the honoring of the woman in that space to keep her safe. It has to be. She is the portal to the higher realms. You have to honor that portal. If your intention's off, you can have all the techniques, but it, it doesn't really matter. So the intention's first, where it's like, and the thing is, like, if you become an intentional lover, a fucking woman will take you to places that you just wouldn't even know. Why wouldn't you want that? It's not about simping or whatever, like that's that's out there at the moment. Simping is like men that simping. manipulate. Yeah, it's they manipulate women to get sex, and so they come in under the guise of the new age neo tantra um, mm-hmm.
0: teachers and stuff.
1: Like that. I don't actually teach what I know to men because it can be too dangerous to use because it can be used for manipulation and dark arts. But I'll give them basics like what I've told you today. But when you get the intention, like where the woman you want to make her feel safe and surrendered while making love to her through the energetic expression, the pure intention to be taken to the experience of God, that's where you're in a whole different realm. And the intention is the most important thing, because if you don't get that right, the rest doesn't matter. But if you're intended that way, most men will say they're intended that way, but it's just to get off to feel good about themselves. So the intention isn't genuine. And she'll know she will 100% know, like in ways that she doesn't even know. So there's got to be an understanding and an embodiment and a wisdom of it in the way that she's touched and the way that she's treated. A woman will know when she's touched with love. My partner knows it. She knows it every single time because she's like, no man has ever even touched me like that. I didn't even know I could be touched like that. And so it's it's small things like that. And that comes from intention and energetics and understanding and safety and love. So when that's right, the rest will flow and that will start to open up for you.
0: Mm-hmm when you were speaking earlier about um and we were speaking about the king and queen archetypes and then kind of the the feminine that thinks she's the queen or the masculine that thinks thinks he's the king and and there's not that actually happening what that felt like for me was that embodiment piece might have been missing where they're actually rooted and anchored in their body in the yeah. present moment what are some practices that you use for that embodiment piece with the masculine because as i understand it because i'm a woman but men are more kind of up here in the more logical in the mind women descend
1: they're in their bodies so for men it's the programming and the language that's one thing and the other thing is challenging practices for a man creates embodiment where they're not flying off the handle being reactive and erratic and unstable. That's really important to get them away from that. The other thing is to know that anger is actually very healthy, but you have to understand what anger is protecting underneath it. Right? So anger was always my thing, but I would get angry. That was the mechanism for control my control came from because I wasn't feeling trusting because I was coming from a deep program of I'm not safe. Once I started to dismantle that, I started to feel safe in my body. So I did really difficult things. I did jiu-jitsu. I got my whole body tattooed because that was a form of therapy for me. Um, that was the anger that was coming out that I transmuted through jiu-jitsu because I would fight all the time. And then I started to go into healthier practices like breath work, Um, I, I still love the cold. The cold for me is one of my favorite things, right? Because it's, I've done it so many times and it just goes, bam, and brings me back to present because it builds discipline. When you build discipline for a man, you start to embody a nature of responsiveness as opposed to reactivity. So men need to respond. And so when we can put ourselves into those places where our stress goes through the roof, but we remain calm, guess what we do for our women? Mm -hmm. They go through the roof and we just go, bring it. It's all good. I'll take all of it. Bring it all to me. Give it all to me. I want all of it without seeing as like, oh, there's something wrong with you. You're crazy. You're psycho, blah, 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 whatever. That's not to say my partner and I don't get into fights. We do. It's healthy. Conflict is healthy because it's an opportunity for expansion, but you don't want to be walking around day-to-day knee-jerking, like getting upset, getting pissed off at everything. The only place I have any conflict or difficulty is in my relationship with my partner it's not to say it's all the time by any stretch of the imagination but it's like i'm not out like getting road rage i'm not out you know starting fights with people on the street i'm not out boozing up and drinking i don't drink at all i'm not out doing all that stuff you know so these are all the mechanisms that we have to start to remove to get back into here a man's heart is very powerful once he's grounded in his present and he's not erratic and stable and needy and dishonest and all of that stuff and so Ice is really good, cold therapy, breath work, but continual practices as well as cleaning up the mind. You have to do it all at once. Otherwise it's like you can do all the breath work you want and the ice bars, that's just changing your state. Mm -hmm. But you have to go into the deeper states of the mind as well to dissolve the programming and then embody that, what it's like in the absence of the programming. And that's where you become a powerful man.
0: Mm. And so breath work is part of the work that you do
1: with me. It's not my breathwork, like it'll just depend. It's like breath of fire, ego eradicator, Wim Hof breathing, mm-hmm. Dharmasala breathwork. There's all different types, right? And like you're saying, you do Kriyas, which there's breathwork in that a lot of the time. So it really depends on what works for you. But it's a, it's a tool, right? I keep doing it. I still do it because it makes me feel good. I like it. It brings me back into my body. The way that I speak, I can be very cerebral, very analytical and highly articulate. So I almost channel a lot of the time. And so it can take me up here and then I have to come back down here. So for me, it's a, a balancing the equation again. And I like doing ice because I don't want to do it most of the time, but then I do it and I love it and I get out and I feel great. But it's it's about the discipline and men need discipline because discipline means comes from the root word to scale, which means to learn. But most people associate discipline with punishment as though they've done something wrong. So it's been used as the wrong way, but it's to learn. And you learn about yourself in those environments where you're challenged physically, to your highest level. That's why jujitsu jitsu really good for me because it showed me all of my bullshit excuses. It's the days that I would rock up and say, oh, I just want to roll light today. I don't want to spar too hard. My knee's injured, my ribs cracked, whatever. And it showed me all of the bullshit because it was me against me. And so that's what we have to always look at because when you overcome that for men, you start to become a powerhouse and not much affects you anymore. And that's where you become stable and grounded and almost like stoic the stoicism, the stoic movement and stoicism isn't about not feeling anything rather. It's about feeling everything, but not being affected by it.
0: Mm. With that, you know, in that book that I was the Oracle one, you know, he's speaking a lot about, we have a society of weak men right now. Um, But we're, we're seeing the rise or the shift in that quite substantially where we're moving into strong men that are, you know, taking the lead and, and kind of moving both the the men are moving back into the, their core essence the feminine are moving back into to their core essence for, for the men because there's a shit ton of distortions that pull men away from that in our world
1: yeah.
0: what are the kind of things that they can look out for start to look at like porn being one of them are there any other inversions distortions that are keeping them weak and yeah. separate from themselves
1: yeah, stop watching porn, stop drinking alcohol, stop eating sugar, start hitting the gym. If you've got toxic people around you, um, remove them, stop sleeping around, stop objectifying women, get off dating apps, stop scrolling as well, right? Like you just, it's its so easy because it's just remove things. And then we see what happens after that. Then we can start to replace that with better habits. You know, stop vaping. Fuck, like vaping is so bad for you, you know? It's like, we have to stop these habits. If you're like, I'll sometimes occasionally smoke organic natural tobacco, Mm -hmm. but that'll be to bring myself back into my body because tobacco is extremely grounding, right? But it's, you know, you can still have your indulgences. If you want to have a few beers here and there, good, but stop going out and getting on cocaine and drinking and sleeping around and all that sort of stuff. Remove things. It's a process of removal first. Remove things. That's self-abuse. Turn off the television. Get out into nature more. Things like that. They're really simple things. You'd be surprised that... Everyone's thinking they have to do something, but it's about removing something. It's about not doing something, which is more important. And so you give that over like a period of time. It's funny because when people come to me, most of the time I don't set goals with them. And like, especially if I'm working with someone that wants to lose weight, I'm like, okay, cool. We're not going to set any weight goals because everyone goes to weight. So that's extrinsic motivation. I said to him, what we're going to do is, all you're going to do is go to the gym four days a week. And we're going to get rid of certain foods. That's it. Just to start. We're not going to set a weight limit. We're not going to set a time limit. I just want you to develop that until that becomes a habit for you. People, when I say we're not going to set anything, any goals, any restrictions, anything like that, how does that feel? They're like, oh, wow, that feels great. So the pressure's off. They don't feel like they have to do something. All I've got to do now is just go and develop a habit. And I say to them, even if some days you walk into the gym and you don't exercise, just going to the gym is part of that especially if someone's really overweight, it's like you don't need to go in and be at your peak straight away. So it's about removing things and not setting like goals or restrictions on yourself. It's like start developing habits that are powerful to replace the old ones, but get rid of the old ones first. And people will see like the remarkable change in that once they start to remove porn, alcohol, sleeping around, objectification of women, and then your life will change. It's completely different.
0: What's the distortion with the dating apps?
1: Because it's usually used for validation, right? So there's no trust in it. And it's this age of instant gratification where I can get what I want whenever I want and I can swipe right. Oh, I didn't like her swipe. Oh, I didn't like her hair. I, you know, she was too tall for me. Oh, she was a bit overweight. She was just like, I'll just go next, 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 next. There's no valuing the connection and it's based on physicality rather than the connection. Like I just wait for life to bring me a woman. My current partner, Luna, I met her on the side of the road when I was on a holiday in Byron Bay and we started speaking and then I knew that I was meant to be with her when I first met her. That was over two years ago. Then I moved up to Byron Bay from Bondi Beach two weeks later. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was the magic of life bringing us together. Rather than going out and looking for it, which is often a distraction. I mean, some people are well-intended. This is not universal. Most of the time, people are looking for some distraction, self-validation, self-gratification, whatever it is. And it's like, Just let life bring you the magic. You know, dating apps have only been around for 10 years, been meeting people other ways for, you know, millennial, you know, let life bring you into you, like trust, open up to that because it's another form of objectification. It's another form of like, okay, cool. Well, he looks good or she looks good, but I'm basing it on like a short buyer. I mean, I haven't been on one, so I don't really know, but I can picture it. Mm -hmm. and a short bio and you know what they look like and some people get professional photos and all this other stuff and it's like it's a game it's a game and it sort of for me it feels like it's very inauthentic for a lot of people and so if I'm meant to be alone life will leave me alone until someone's ready to come in to present me with an opportunity to learn that's the way that I look at that scene I don't see relationships as a as a thing to get anything I see them as containers for healing. And so when I look at them for containers of healing, rather than my partner's the source of love for me, I get caught up in codependency. Whereas if I go, cool, this is a source of healing. We're going through something. Let's work on this together as a team and enjoy the fun of it on the outside. Most people get it twisted. Relationships are for healing. They're not for you to get love and to get security and satisfaction. They're for healing. And once you see that, it becomes very different
0: the training of the masculine. And I think of like my father, my daughter's dad, like what, what did he not receive to stand in that full leadership as a man to like trust himself and to show up in a really powerful way. Um, And so what is that training for the masculine look like and, or what is, what is missing? What is, what has been missing for that training of men? Does that yeah
2: i mean i think number one thing is just the simplicity of knowing the path and knowing this is what's going to happen hey son one day you're going to be a man Mm. and being a man requires you to do x y and z and to get x y and z done you have to do a b and c and to get a b and c done you have to do one two three And life really becomes extremely simple when it's that logical, that laid out. And I think a lot of men, and it sounds crazy because it just does, but a lot of men don't know what they're supposed to do
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: because
2: no one told them, but because again, if you were a male born in the last 50 years, there's a chance, a, a huge chance you were born in an era that was telling you, you weren't need to be a certain way. Or being a certain way was looked down upon. And so there are some men who are thrusted into leadership who may have been had a, you know, the natural char- charismatic, you know, energy for it. There are some men who just had an innate desire to succeed, but then those are still outliers as far as personality traits go. Whereas before, the everyday common man respected fatherhood and being a husband so it's like we have to not lower the bar but like it can't just be about hyper successful men being able to do it's like no this is a thing that's for all men to understand this is the path and to the point of it won't be like it was before because the world has changed. We can never put the genie back in the bottle. So it's like, how do we adapt and learn and move forward with this new culture that we have? Um, I don't believe women are going to mass exodus the workforce or the business world anytime soon. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think we need a stronger bond one to realize okay we're both going to be doing this thing things are going to be different so for the everyday household division of labor is going to look different than it did in 1950 you got to be okay with that but there's also still the energy components of that where the man still wants a feminine woman the woman still wants a masculine man and how do you balance that energy how do and if you get to that point of awareness you can figure it out right everyone's scenario is, is very unique but if you can just get to that place of thinking about what's optimal for your family and not just what they're not doing, you know, it's very easy to get into what's not going right. Or what, but if we are both thinking about optimizing what's happening for each other, we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I just think we're at that place where men have like, especially the younger men, the younger men are kind of completely um. They hypersexualized, and they see women a certain way. As far as okay, these women don't want men. Um, therefore, the sexual liberation too, so we can just do what we want. And I don't have it's just it's complete lawlessness and chaos mm-hmm. from for a lot of younger men because they haven't received. Hey, this is what it means to be a husband, and a lot of it comes from religion that gives men that kind of tradition mm-hmm. and when you lose religion you kind of lose that rite of passage not saying that religion is the you know the absolute qualifier because that things still become distorted within religion you can still have men who are very religious who don't practice you know what they preach so it's it all comes down to character and you need character development you need these things and and school systems you need Things that are going to prepare young boys for adolescence. You need something to prepare young adolescents for young adulthood. Something to prepare young adulthood for adulthood. And you know, I, I was there's a video out there was comparing like, um, like it was like a gym class or something like that for for boys in like 1930s. Um, it's kind of like very very military based. Mm-hmm. It was like comparing it today and how. P is kind of just looked at as a joke basically in the school system today. And just how certain masculine traits, and we can talk about the things that are going on with, you know, gender polarity and and how mm-hmm. everything it's just there's a lot going on that is working against men. And I just don't think people consider that. I think they just consider that all men are out here to be evil. And it's like if you if you bring in a, a a lion, and it's not domesticated, it's going to attack.
0: Yeah, it's
2: going to be law. It's going to be law. It's going to be reckless because it hasn't been trained. And it's like you want anyone who hires someone for a company expects them to be trained for the job. You wouldn't just say, "Hey, here's the job. Go ahead and go do it." And it's like being a father, being a husband. It's a job that has to be some kind of training, and. You know, you want that to be from the father, but you also, I would think, you know, you don't have to, but I would think it's in the best interest of the state to subsidize a little bit of that. Hmm. Like, How are young men being trained? How are young men being developed? Just basic character development things, because women are kind of socially um, adaptable to the conditions. So, mm-hmm. if they're in a condition that says, Hey, go hustle, 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 go, 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 no, don't stop, go, keep going, you can do it. They want to do that. And then, if you're telling men at the same time to kind of like, don't be masculine, mm-hmm. access, you can have people in their reverse polarity. And I think if you have men who are being developed, and it's happening now, there are men who are being trained, obviously, there are women who are being trained. In, that's what childhood development is about. It's like the parents training the children.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The teachers training the children. You to have this community of people who are meant to train the next generation so that we function. And it's just, I don't think, I think we're so far from the idea that we're here to train the next generation so that we can be better in the future. We can keep passing the baton. Like life is not about our individual journey. Like it is to a certain degree, but it's more about where you pass the baton and where you picked it up. Picked it up here. How far along do you pass it or do you throw it backwards? And I think I don't even know we're going back, we're going some different <laughs> direction right now, but
0: we're going a little sideways at the minute with the baton for men because I primarily coach women, but I do get asked a lot by men and men that are in my life. And also, I have nephews and will be asked the question of, like, how, where do they start? like even for my nephews they're they're in Texas they're in the states they're not learning in my experience proper masculinity in school there's weird stuff happening in schools right now around gender and so we can we'll dive a little bit more into gender and what's going on there but for the men that feel like lost and the men that are like coming into you know my nep- nephews 12 where is where is an entry point? Like, is there a book? Is it religion? Like, how? Where can they start to get onto this path of knowing what to teach their sons? You know, these said men might have grown up in a fatherless home, and so they were never taught that.
2: Yeah. So I, I actually wrote a book um, this year. Originally, the book was called For the Boy Without a Father. Mm. And I changed the name to The Divine Masculine Handbook. Um, and it kind of goes through a few different things. Um, it starts with just the, the definition of, like, what's masculine energy? Um talks about discipline, time management, character, morals, values, education, finding a purpose, spiritual development, sexual awareness, uh, the dominance hierarchy, goal setting competence, confidence, contribution, leadership, um the pursuit of power, family, faith, finances, and legacy, and so it kind of goes down a few things that are just I think for men, it's just exposure, you know, like hierarchy is hierarchy, and I think the more we remove hierarchy for men it it just testosterone is is boosted when you have competition for men mm. when you remove that win a lot of, and a lot of men feel like they can't win in life there there is no winning for them they feel like life is a dead end and they're just on a treadmill of being used and men are told that power is bad wealth is bad mm. anything anything that do status is bad and like what what can they do and To the point of, I think most men are good intended individuals, good at heart. So if you have only the bad actors, so to speak, um, pursuing the things that are traditionally masculine, well, of course, you're going to have more distortion in leadership because you had you told all the good actors to not pursue it.
1: Mm.
2: And the good actors are listening, not because they're just trying to not be responsible. They're actually listening because they're responding to what the woman is saying she wants. So there's a lot of good faith in the fact that even feminism has been allowed to to thrive the way it has because, well, women are saying they want this now, so let's let's change. It's even still in service to, to the woman. It's like, okay, foregoing what may be logical in the next 20, 30 years, it's just right now she's saying she wants this, let's change. And I just think understanding that dynamic is so important for men to just hey, feminine energy is this way, masculine energy is this way, the female hormone cycle is this way, the male hormone cycle is this way. They're they're completely different. They're completely, we live in two different universes when it comes to energy and, and just being, instead of being. And men re- thrive on repetition, routine. It's like everything that men do. And for any men who may be listening, like think about our livelihood, every, the things that, we thrive in are very very much metaphors for um military action it's it's such a weird thing, um and some people will say this these are just social conditionings, but you you can go back in history like this is the rite of passage for men has always been this way it's there's some gatekeeper you have to go prove you're worthy of going through this gate wherever it is and even the ritual of marriage is the same way it's like for to become a man you have to prove you're you're ready and we've removed the rite of passage from that and so now there are a lot of men who just aren't ready but back to the point of military games, competition um success business it's it's all competition you know sports is nothing but a a metaphor for conquest and it's just that we have to reel things into a a modern um modern day and also a non distorted way. Because, you know, you hear about uh, colonization and all these things that have happened. It's like, well, guess what? Most most men weren't the colonizers. They were the ones who were following the orders. Mm. But we we talk about, you know, the patriarchy or or oppressive men, it's like you're talking about. World leaders I'm talking about point zero 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 one percent of men. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of men are not responsible for those things. You know, and it, it's you know it's just a distorted reality. But men have to just say, "Hey, it's okay to be powerful. It's okay to step into my masculinity. It's okay to draw from that power because that's what allows you to. That's confidence. Hmm. That the men who are the most confident typically have." more masculine energy men who aren't confident they can be very very skilled very very talented they can be very well spoken they can have a lot of things going but they're not confident because there's some kind of structure that may be lacking or there's something that doesn't seem solid and it's usually that suppression of masculine energy and it usually happens at the bequest of a woman whether it's mm-hmm. mother initially where the father wasn't there so they're they are programmed to listen to The woman and there's no father present, so they're overly conditioned to responding to women. They don't know how to respond to men, so they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna push this man off because I'm not listening to him." So they have a problem with authority, which is why a lot of males who don't grow up with fathers have problems with the law because they they are never taught how to respond to male authority or masculine authority. And you know, you can't respect authority if you don't understand. The game that we're playing as men together, like we're playing this game of hierarchy, and it's like, but everybody respects everyone. You know, if you, if you're if you're a white collar man, you probably respect blue collar men. You don't disrespect them because they're blue collar. You say, oh, he's blue collar, he's earning a living for the family. have off to him. You don't have a problem with authority here or authority there or leadership. It's because you understand that everything has to function. It's it's a a product of what's efficient and. To be successful as a man, you have to be efficient at what you do. You have to be competent. That requires discipline and requires work ethic. All these things that also end up aiding fatherhood and husbandry. It's like, oh, he's a good husband because he's a good man. He's not a good man because he's a good husband. It's the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so, if we want to have good husbands and good fathers. We have to have good men first. And not that there aren't good men, but they have to be good masculine men. Because a lot of a lot of great guys who are just missing that little bit of edge that makes them a little bit more straight to the point, a little bit more in the game than just passive agents in their own life. Mm. And that's going to dwell on, you know, confidence going to lead to depression, anxiety, all these different things that men suffer through just because they're they're not tapped into their masculine energy and that can lead to you know i'm gonna compensate for that with with sex or with this or with with drugs with alcohol so you have your addictions coming in because i don't feel good about masculinity so let me find another way to prove it I'm a man so you have a man who have sex just to prove they're men it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot you know that goes with the the masculine training and there are definitely organizations out here that are making this more of a point now to like we have to get to the boys because the schools won't because the schools are doing the opposite so let's get to the boys so we can exercise this masculinity because it's important not for political standpoint for society standpoint for the future so
0: yeah would be such a different world if we learned about men and women in school and our differences and how we can support one another and beyond the same team as opposed to going against each other. Because what I really receive from that, like testosterone and challenge, it's like the beautiful aspects of being a man have been greatly diminished. And yeah. it's toxic and it's wrong and it's scary. And so, for a woman, how can we support our men to? rise in their masculinity and like claim that kingdom is the word I'll use
2: yeah I mean I think one of the most powerful things a woman can do is just be a voice now to say hey like it it does a lot for a man to hear hey I appreciate what Mm -hmm. you're doing I appreciate you and especially in today's time where that's not the you know the rhetoric it's Like, whoa, wait a minute. Same way for, you know, the women who are like, there are no good men out here. There are men out here who are like, no woman even wants a good man. And they just need to see that, hey, somebody somebody will appreciate you. It's just that the most extreme versions of this debate or back and forth gender war are the loudest in the room. And I think the people have to stake their their claim into, hey, no, we're for balance. We're for family. We're for and it has it's a cultural movement that has to happen. It's a consciousness movement that has to happen. And the more women are tapped into this, you know, bigger thing, you know, it it's it's so much bigger than, you know, dating or or find the right partner. It's like, hey, if and it it's also an easy way to get into the energy of it, right? If you're recognizing it's a part of society you're going to attract another person who recognizes why this is important they're not just trying to find a partner because they're trying to find the future of society that they want to raise children and this is you know it goes back to that simple thing it, the the simple things connect us back to the simple simple things so if we are connecting understand that hey masculine and feminine needs to be together and be in union you want to attract someone who believes that same thing and you were able to create children from that space. You're able to raise families, you're able to lead communities, you have to be a part of organizations that are, or have this mission. And I think sometimes when you're in the work of it, it seems like there are so many people who understand this, but the truth is that it's a, it's a minority of people who are conscious of the fact that hmm something is wrong in today's climate
0: yeah
2: most people are, are on the side of trying to defend their point and not they're like oh all women are bad all men are bad it's like well, no, well not all of anybody is bad it's that there there are bad actors there are a few very very few bad actors and there there are traumatized good actors a lot of traumatized good actors. A lot of good faith people who have just not worked through their trauma yet. And to that point, we're in the age where mental health is really just now becoming normal conversation. And it's not even normal yet. It's just more normal than it ever has been. So we're we have a long way to go as far as understanding the healing process, understanding trauma, psychological wounds, spiritual wounds, emotional wounds. Like when we get to the spiritual side of things, we're we're even kind of more far removed than the mental health conversation. And I believe when, when spiritual health becomes a more normalized conversation, we'll be closer to how can we implement this into our daily lives. But mental health is a great start because it's saying, let me check on my, my mental, my self-talk, all these different aspects. So when women are champions for, well, I think women are the best at is it, like, champion wholeness where men are men we thrive on competition and separateness you know that's what masculine energy is it becomes separate from everything else to identify itself and it has to become solid within its own structure whereas women feel best when they're a part of something i don't know too many women who like i want to live in a silo and never see anyone ever again, and climb to the top by myself. It's like it's it doesn't. It's not a natural thing, and men don't even want that either. It's just that there's a. It's easy to go to the extreme with with a man when he's locked in on something, but his his something because his contribution involves other people. Just naturally, women. It's there's a need for like there has to be some kind of belonging. And, and family is that like initial thing, but there is also purpose. There are so many different aspects. So when a woman is spiritually in tune and saying, hey, I want you, I'm healing from this. I'm, I'm for healing. I'm for healthy families. I'm for this. That becomes a, a cause, a purpose that you can live for and, and connect to. And that spawns into other things that come into life. But the opposite is also true. And that's why this is important to note, because no matter what, men will always fall into separation. Women will always fall into connection. So when a man is not in his masculine energy, his separateness will be lonely. It will be dark. It can lead to things that are not positive for his life. It can lead to crime. It can lead to addiction. So many different things fall short when a man's in darkness in in his separateness. he's in achieving when he's in leadership his separateness is more about his time to focus time to restore itself it's it's not cold and dark it's just oh he's what is what was the word I was going to use he separated himself from like the hierarchy he's rising so like his separateness is cream rising to the top kind of thing so you become separate in that sense. But when you're separate mm-hmm. in the dark sense, it's a different way. Same thing for women. Togetherness, healthy communities, healthy families, healthy spaces. But when it's in the dark version, you're still going to connect. You're going to connect to things that dark energy, dark forces, dark families, all these things that are it's like these things aren't healthy for me. Why am I in spaces constantly that are not healthy for me? My career is not healthy for me. This, this is not healthy for me. My friends aren't healthy for me. My husband isn't healthy. Like, how am I getting all these unhealthy spaces? Because women are attraction mechanisms. Everything comes to you, no matter what.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Even when you're not trying, it's coming to you. Like, you have to go into hiding to, to try to remove yourself from things. Because this it keeps coming in. Where men, we have to kind of like dig through the t- tunnel. It's like, okay, I got to, carve my way out of here so we operate differently and we understand that how we operate or the spirit in which we operate the emotional health the mental health in which we operate dictates the health of what comes to us mm-hmm. for me, it's more like opportunities to to what cult, what mind are you deal or you um you know in are you in a gold mine or are you in a mine full of fool's gold you're going to be in the mine, and you're going to be separating yourself but it's going to be which where you're going you're going to up or down women's what are you attracting healthy or unhealthy and so when women can champion that man can champion that he's going to carve the space out for that to exist he's already doing that the 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 man is you're like this person is what i'm looking for he's already carving that space out it's just a matter of can you call the energy in that really speaks to that on the on a different level than even beyond self like hey this is something i'm passionate about for humanity in general mm-hmm. there are so many women who are believing the opposite so how can someone see you as different it's like almost like an easy identifier if someone is really championing family because mm-hmm. that goes like the it's like a mating symbol you know oh this person values family that's attractive
0: yeah,
2: you know, even if he doesn't want children, it's it's still like, oh, it's still for who values family. They value children. They don't look at children as this these things that can be exploited or be used or be corrupted. It's like, oh no, I value a child's innocence. And there are some women who don't value a child's innocence, and you know that it's a different conversation,
0: right? Hello loves, just a quick little interruption from the episode to chat about one of my favorite products that I am an affiliate for. And so as you all know, I have been on quite the healing journey this past year and there have been a few products that are game changers for me. So part of my health journey has been insomnia and I have been using taking pearl powder from Wild Holistics and I absolutely love Wild Holistics. I love their small batch, cozy feeling company that feels very nourishing and is very supportive and natural. And so I love the pearl powder as well as the liver protector. It is full of so much medicine for the liver, which we all know is under a lot of stress with the the stressors that we have in our life at this time. And as well as the elevated mind with the saffron. There is so much research and medicine that goes into that is in saffron and its healing effects on the mind as well as eyes. So definitely check out Wild Holistic. There's a link in the show notes for 10% off with discount code Lisa. Back to the show. What does it look like as a man in today's landscape? And I mean, that's a huge question but we've got a lot of feminist movements going on right now. A lot of talk of mask, everything masculine is toxic. A lot of that, uh, narrative in the world. And so what I'm really curious about is what is it like as a man in this world going against all of that?
3: Well, I think it's what's we're going through pretty, um, unprecedented times, but, you know, every time I read scripture, and I, I I read about the the apostles, and I read about what <clears throat> Jesus said. And he said that, uh, you know, that we're all going to be hated because of him. So these you know, men like myself, men like Brendan, the, the guy that I co host the Masculine Revival podcast with, we're, we're coming up a lot against a lot of resistance, right? Because you have two camps of masculinity that are, you know, really, I guess, one isn't really masculinity at all. It's it's men that have become quite effeminate, you know, they're like, you know, more feminist type of men. And then you have on the other end of the spec- spectrum, the red pill kind of Andrew Tate caricatures of masculinity, which in a lot of ways in the way that they behave are feminist type of men as well. But, you know, I guess more, I guess the, the word you could assign to that segment of the population is, is more the, the, that the toxic traits, the, the, the hyper masculine, um, you know, pursuit of hedonistic desire and carnal pleasure and racking up your notch count and you know buying fast cars and and whatnot and then the other segment is very much like overly in touch with their emotions and thinking that men have feminine sides so it's like i feel like we're trying to go back to like the roots of really what manhood is and you you really can't have a conversation about that if we're not talking scripture we're not talking about the bible because that's where i think and not the way i think i know true masculinity comes from so Luckily, there is like a big movement, uh, a revival. You know, masculine revival. I got the banner behind me, but also a renaissance. Shout out to Will Spencer too of of men coming to the faith and embracing all of those virtuous qualities, because I think that's what it represents is, is 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 virtue. It's none of this this vice that you see on both sides. This over emotionality. Um, you know, addiction addicted to pornography and just feeling good. And on the other side, it's just addicted to, um, yeah, just carnal pleasure and worldly pursuits. So. There's a lot of resistance, sure, but it's an incredibly fulfilling journey, um, breaking other men out of the fog of that. And the whole mi- mission behind what I'm doing with my page and our podcast is if we can influence men to become more virtuous, to take up their cross and walk that narrow path, I think that could influence the culture as a whole in a really meaningful way. So that's a long winded answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a powerful answer. What is that roots of manhood look like inscription or is, you know, is it, Proverbs, is there a piece of scripture that you can give to us of what it looks like to be a man, like the roots of manhood?
3: You know, I'm I'm still relatively, even though I was, you know, in the faith, my whole life is like a Roman Catholic. Recently in the last year and a half since my baptism, I've been a practicing Christian. So my theological knowledge is not, you know, necessarily where, where it should be. It's currently in process. But I think without speaking specifically to to scripture because it's kind of peppered all over there's just looking at the example of jesus christ as the embodiment of all of these traits you see the lion you see the lamb you see the master you see the servant you see the bold the boldness and the strength but you also see the, the 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 meekness and the humility right like he jesus wept but jesus flipped the tables in the temple and chased them out with with whips And you see the restraint, which is not so often talked about virtue of masculinity is is restraint. I guess what that looks like in the modern world is having options to sleep around, but not, you know, choosing not to do so. Having resources to spend on worldly things, but choosing not to do so. And the greatest example of that in the Bible, obviously when Jesus is being led up to the cross, he could have just blinked his eyes and just destroyed everybody in front of him, but decided not to. And why? For a greater purpose. So I think without citing specific scripture, I think just looking at the example of how Jesus walked is the most powerful example of what I think true masculinity is. And we ultimately fall short of that example, of course, but there's no greater example to me than that.
0: Let's go into the red pill because I'm not sure that I fully understand red pill culture. Andrew Tate, I've heard his name so many times recently, <laughs> Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson. I mean, I I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson's work, but yeah. Can we go into Red Pill? What is it, and where is Andrew Tate leading people?
3: Great question. I don't talk about this at all ever. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just playing. So uh, the Red Pill is a branch of the Manosphere, and so just to kind of take it on on a bit of a short history lesson. This all started with the pickup artist movement in, I think, the 90s. And so you already know the foundation's already faulty from the beginning because it's all based off pickup artistry and manipulation for the sole purpose of fornication, right? So you take that foundation and now you have the manosphere, which has kind of several branches. You have the men going their own way. You have the men's rights activists. And then you've got the red pill, which, you know, it's, it refers to that, um, you know, what Morpheus said to Neo in The Matrix, like either take the blue pill and you're kind of remain blissfully ignorant. And then the red pill, it's kind of awakens you to like the deception the lies of the world. It kind of just opens your eyes. And so how how it relates to men, it's basically around sexual strategy and how to approach the sexual marketplace. And so it it essentially deconstructs female sexual nature. And, you know, it's under the guise of self-improvement. And so through knowing these things, Um, a man can equip himself with the knowledge to not get married, uh, to listen, there are some things the red pill gets correct, but the problem is, is that it addresses human beings as if we're just, um, meat sacks that are just biological beings and completely negating the spirit. So for example, one thing that gets thrown around a lot is the idea of hypergamy. And so hypergamy means, you know, a, a woman, uh, is always waiting at the finish line for the winner right so she's always wanting to branch swing up to the higher status male like the higher alpha you know i hate that term but you know a woman's always going to do that and the way it's taught is that it's only a matter of time until she leaves you for the higher status male or she cheats on you and if she can if she could cheat on you she'll 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 do it and get away with it um another concept is like the idea of spinning plates so you're you're seeing multiple women at once and then eventually after 4 to 6 months once they've attached themselves too much to you you kind of cut them off and you bring another plate woman in into rotation yeah it's pretty it's pretty gross um you know other things like all women are like that awalt is an acronym and so it just essentially just blanket statements you know it puts a, a woman in a pigeonhole that all women have the same set of behaviors and so in order to be this high value man you've got to pursue financial success, which I can get behind, um, you know, physical, you know, fitness success, which I can get behind. But ultimately, you're a biological dead end, right? So there's a godfather of the red pill, Rolo Tomasi. He wrote The Rational Male, which is like a really um, high, you know, probably a bit the best selling book in the space. And he had a tweet that went viral recently talking about, you know, in one of the top three things on his list on becoming a high value male is getting a vasectomy. So you could participate in endless amounts of fornication which to me sounds like, just to be honest, that sounds like homosexual heterosexuality, right? It's like the, the idea of like cruising, gay cruising, but for the heterosexual. Um, so it, it's so funny, you know, these guys talk about, you know, doing hard things and being men that are high status, but they can't control uh, their little wee-wees because that's, that's ultimately what dominates them. So in, in a lot of ways, the joke is red-pilled men are male feminists in disguise, pretending that they're sort of, Uh, on this worthy pursuit. So that's like the nuts and bolts of, of the red pill. It does get some stuff, right? Uh, however, um, most guys don't know how to take the good from the bad because they're not applying the Christian worldview to it. There's no discernment. It's just, I'm going to drink from this whole gallon jug and I'm going to swallow it all up. It's going to intoxicate my spirit and I'm going to move on and become a biological dead end.
0: Mm. With that hypergamy, is that the term? For women. Do you see that in the world? I'm just thinking about the women that, you know, my my friends that are married, I've never seen that, you know, going up to the next man to the next man. I just haven't witnessed that.
3: Mm. I think just like the concept of like shit tests, right? A woman's always going to test your mental and physical fitness. It's like an evolutionary biology, biological trait. I think it does exist. It does exist just like a man's uh, wanting to procreate with a bunch of women and have a bunch of children now um just because it does exist doesn't mean it's, it's good for us right do i see this in the world yes but the thing is with these red pill guys is that they're just they're looking for women in all of the wrong places women that are in the church women that believe in god women that will not have sex with them before marriage they're they're not like this because their belief in christ they're their foundation of virtue and their valuing of their own chastity overrides this biological nature where a woman could like this could be married to a man. And let's say, I don't know, name the celebrity, the rock. She has an opportunity to like, you know, go and have this little fling with the rock. There's probably part of her conscious or her psyche that wants to, but because she's a believer, because she's got that foundation, she chooses to override that. Right, And this is what's so powerful about the faith, is if you're really walking in that faith, you can say no to things that your body wants to say yes to. So I do see it in the world, but I think the problem with these red pill guys is that they're just looking for these women in all of the wrong places. So of course, like your reality is going to become that if you're looking for women in clubs and Tinder and all of these other places where they're quite vapid and quite vacuous and narcissistic. Mm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. As a man, where do men look for women that are integral and virtuous and Mm. not looking for that
3: that's a million dollar question (laughs) Uh, I personally and this is I'm not against people meeting online I'm really not I met my wife on Instagram because she was uh you know I'm well known in my hometown of Vancouver because I own a gym and I've been in the powerlifting scene so I saw a picture of her with my friends that I knew I'm like hey I'm gonna reach out to this girl and it was pretty Maybe my intentions weren't good, but she shocked me at how awesome of a woman she was. and I was like, oh, you know, oh, crap. Maybe that's a story for down the line here. But um, the church is obviously going to be one. Um, I think avoiding places like clubs and bars and Tinder and Bumble and all these places, they're actually, and I'm not just saying this because I'm an affiliate. It's something and, and the owner of this platform is a friend of mine. Um, but now there's platforms like the Courtship Network that myself that brandon there's a lot of us creators in this space that are 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 affiliates and are associated with it because it it represents a need and so if people anybody are interested you know there's a link in my bio or just go to the courtship network and that's a network of people looking for uh, a serious relationship leading to marriage and there and it has resulted in many marriages actually so far and its inception was only in july um so it's trying to kind of fulfill that need of like where are these women um but I would say, yeah, the, the church, probably your library or grocery store, you just got to talk to her. You know what I mean? I And a lot of men are against approaching women and I can somewhat understand why, but I'm also of the mentality where, you know, God built us to be like, you know, hunter gatherers. So if we're kind of just thinking here that we're, God's just going to bless us with a woman. She's going to come knock on our door. Like we probably got to, we've got to, it's beholden, it, it, it's incumbent on us to do that. And a big piece of advice that I that I, that I I offer up to all men is like, hey, listen, you really want to see what a woman's made out of if you don't want to make concessions where you, weren't, you wouldn't normally don't have sex with her before marriage. And the same thing kind of on the flip side for women. It's like, if you really want to see what a man is made out of, if you want to separate the men from the boys, tell them you're not going to have sex till marriage. You might not have a lot of prospects, but the ones that are still remain are going to be pretty good guys.
0: Yeah, no, that's that would weed a few out. Oh, most
3: sure. of them. It would, it would weed most of them out. Even probably most women nowadays. You tell them, like, what kind of, what kind of weirdo are you? Like, what, you know, are you gay? It's like, no. I just, I, I care about knowing who you are and I care about my chastity, you know? So,
0: yeah. I'm sober and I always used to think, like, oh, people are going to think I'm weird because I don't drink. And I mean, people don't nowadays. But, you know, eight years ago when I chose sobriety, it was very uncommon not to drink. And that just feels like the next level. Of that like I'm not gonna have sex with you before marriage like whoa (laughs) oh
3: oh absolutely absolutely it's like you know what 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 era do you live in and you realize like all of this stuff that's become so popular and mainstream drinking and drugs and casual sex we don't realize how deceived that we've all become through just like the normality of the stuff that's what the enemy wants right
0: yeah even the normality of alcohol you know that being so normalized um casual sex all of it. And, you know, I partaked in, in all of it for a lot of my life, not realizing the damage that it does to our body and, and most importantly, our spirit. And I read the book, Stefan Arnio is the, Oh yeah,
3: I got that book horror. right here. Yep. The
0: priestess Horror. Yeah. And he spoke about pair bonding and what mm-hmm. it does. I, I loved this quote from it. Um, you know, and it speaks to the difference of casual sex for a man And for a woman, and maybe you can speak to what casual sex does for a man. But what he said is, um, a key that can unlock a load of locks is a master key.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've heard this. But a
0: lock that can take a ton of keys is a shitty lock. And I was like,
3: (laughs) I used to say this all the time. It's it's like it's like a portal into my past. Like I used to espouse this stuff all the time, Uh, just nonsense. Okay, so what's true about this statement Mm -hmm. is the gatekeepers of sex are women yeah so it is much easier and this is why chastity chastity should be valued both ways but why chastity is so much more um i guess valued in a woman is because you can be overweight and unattractive and literally just go on the the sidewalk and say who wants to have sex with me and there'll be a horde of men a man can't do that even high status good-looking dudes are just not going to have that that kind of option there those kind of options available to them so what's true about that statement is yes women are the gatekeepers of sex it's much easier for them to to get sex therefore it's 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 not really something that's valued when a woman has a high body count right it's it's the opposite now with a man the man has to have some traits to him that make him a bit more i get i hate using this term but higher value because if he garners that kind of response from women He's got some stuff going for him, but I think men experience the same pitfalls of the pair bonding and the baggage of the, uh, becoming jaded and pessimistic and the negative, negative lens on women. Um, as a result of that, the threshold may be higher, but the consequences are just as I think dire for a man on a spiritual level, because I was that guy. And then when I reflect back on my past, uh, what I, what I remember vividly is like for most of these encounters, I was intoxicated. And so, you know, in the red pill space it, it's commonly, you know, talked about that it's way better than watching porn. It's like, "Well, I think it's actually worse because, you know, you're watching pornography, you're sinning against yourself. But now when you're doing this casual sex thing, you're bringing somebody else into sin with you." And and so it's way worse and now you're just essentially just using them as like a masturbation toy. So, how is that any better when you're bringing somebody into sin with you? And what's so ironic and hypocritical to me is that all these men want to talk about, uh, oh, these hoes, all these hoes out there. It's like, dude, you're out here making the hoes, dude. Like, of course, like, there's women are culpable. Women have that responsibility on their shoulders, too. But I, I firmly believe the majority, a lot of the, the responsibility lies on our shoulders to be leaders and to say, if enough men said no, women would act accordingly. I believe you'd get some outliers, but I think that that would be the case. So it's kind of speaking to that quote is, um, There's some truth to it, but it's really, at the heart of it, it's it's a pretty degenerate statement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I think about women having a lot of casual sex, typically it stems from looking for self-esteem. It's coming from a, you know, insecure place, looking for security, looking for love, looking for validation. What would you say men are seeking when they are having a lot of sexual partners what are they getting from that
3: i guess speaking to my own past i think i I think a lot of guys first of all get deceived by the mainstream notion of sowing your wild oats that you got to go and experience a bunch and test drive a bunch of cars to know what you like which we know is is just it's just garbage i think i think a lot of times guys are looking for love they just Mm -hmm. don't know how to search for it they don't know maybe how to communicate that within themselves like I knew that for myself was like and you know speaking to my how Christ has changed me I got covered in tattoos I got in really good shape I lost all this weight and I remember you know going through this phase and really having a heavy heart about it I didn't like hurting these people I wasn't actually a player like I thought I was I was just told that I was because you know Uh, decent looking guy can speak to people i'm in good shape i should go and do that so i was like i think a lot of men are living up to how other people project these things onto them for example right so it's like you're a good looking guy you should go and do this okay i should go and do this when really you don't want to like i've always wanted to like settle down young and have a family so i was living really antithetical with my own values i think a lot of men are looking for love i think honestly a lot of guys just want to say they slept with x amount of women they want to see what that's like. And then, you know, the men that I know that have come out the other side of that, just know that there's nothing there. I, I think men are looking for a lot of the same things. They're just not willing to be as self-aware and honest with themselves about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, trying to fill an empty void that will yeah. never be filled in that lifestyle. Ever, you No, know, Yeah. And is it fair to say for you that void was filled with Christ?
3: Absolutely. It was filled with Christ. And then, you know, downstream from that, it was like my, my duty to my family. It's it, like, there's nothing more than that to me.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, essence of the man is that like duty and to provide and protect. And that's been kind of taken away in my experience by you know, I look back at myself in relationship. I wouldn't let men do that for me. I was more, I can do it on my own. I was a single mom and it was coming from a very armored place of wounds with my father, wounds with God, wounds with men from child, you know. um, And so that essence is there for men, but oftentimes women don't allow them to do that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, it's like, for that, sure. Letting a man provide and protect. Trust yeah,
3: me. Yeah, for sure. Cause I think there's a you know, guys are kind of swimming upstream a little bit here too, because they're meeting a lot of resistance and a lot of women, even good women, have some feminist programming that they're dealing with, maybe on a subconscious level. You know, when uh you know, they approach a woman and they say, I want you to just stay at home. Like well, what what do you mean, sir? You, you, that's so oppressive. I think every man has that nature in him to want to protect his family, to want to provide for his family completely. And I didn't even realize this early on too, like as a Christian, a couple of years ago, three years ago, when I met my wife and, you know, we got married and did all the things I was under the impression that yeah, 50, 50 relationships were okay. Many men are walking around with feminist programming and they don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And so my wife being a very traditional, you know, Lebanese, you know, Christian woman was like, no, like you're, you're paying for this dude. And I'm glad she said this because, I, I, you know, a few months later, it kind of shook me awake. Like I can't believe I even thought that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel so fulfilled and it really, it elevates a man's masculinity too. It really does. Like knowing that I can take care of my family and provide for them in this way. Yes. It's just the barrier to entry. Cause there's a lot of men that have deep pockets that are really horrible husbands and fathers, but being able to do that satisfies that carnal desire to want to provide for the family. But in a lot of other ways, men don't even know how to navigate that conversation with women because they're dealing with really hardened women because they maybe they've gone through the, the education system they become you know rabid feminists and so so what does a guy what does a guy do in, in that scenario right and when I talk about what me and Brenda talk about in our podcast about I don't know how to use my uh my laundry machines I don't know how to use them I've mm-hmm. never done a load of laundry while being with my wife and a lot of people were like oh my god i just i just don't and because i think there's like an order to the home i did care of the stuff outside the home and she doesn't have to worry about mortgage interest rates and you know all that other stuff i don't have to worry about that stuff within the home and she makes this place that's just wood and drywall and she nurtures it into a home where i just provided the house and then when you see it as like that homogenous like those puzzle pieces that just fit together it just starts to make sense now that's not to say that i don't help my wife Out of the goodness of my heart, helping her once in a while fold fold laundry because she's so exhausted trying to feed two kids and all this stuff. Of course, I do. Like that's my duty as a man to take care of my take care of my wife. But the majority of the time, she has her role, I have mine, and it and it works in a very homogenous, flowing way.
0: What is that feminist narrative that is programmed in men? Like, what can men look out for? Because I think they're just they're just going with it because they don't even know it's part of the brainwashing.
3: Yeah, I think a big one is a a woman that puts her career over wanting to be a mother and a wife.
0: Mm.
3: Now, it's just also to say that if my wife wanted to start a business, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that a woman shouldn't make money, by the way, right? That's not to say she should just be stay at home. She can absolutely do that. But there's a difference. Is she doing that because she has to and picking up the slack where the man is not picking it up? Or is she doing that because she wants to help bless her home and bless her husband? So if you meet a woman that's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to become a doctor, she's not going to be the best wife and mother. I'm sorry. There, mm-hmm. there's, feminism has sold a load of shit to women in the sense that it has t- taught women that they can do everything and take it all on their shoulders and not come out the other side anxious, neurotic, destroyed, demoralized, and exhausted.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All of those things are antithetical to femininity. So it's like, yes, you can do a lot of things. Being a wife, being a mother, those are hard things. Those are incredibly hard things to do. But thinking you can do that and also being the boss babe and also providing and having this huge business, you're not going to be able to do it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's a, a fair statement because I tried to do it. I went to university when my daughter was four. And yeah, waking up with coffee, going to bed with wine, adrenal fatigue, exactly. anxiety. Burning the candle at both ends, you know, and how did you come and, out the other
3: end? You're probably just burnt out and tired,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think back to when I had a full-time job and and raising Brooklyn on my own, yeah, i was I was drinking all the time, to be honest. I was in abusive relationships. I was a mess. and yeah. And so that idea, that feminist idea did not serve me. And I see it not serving. A lot of women, you know, and it's not serving men either. It's not really serving anybody.
3: It's
2: not. Men don't
0: have their place, you know.
3: Exactly. And and a lot of women realize this stuff kind of when it's too late.
0: Yeah. I'm in my mid forties now. It's not too late, but you know what I mean? Now it's kind of like I've woken up to it and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh shit. There were great men in my life that wanted to. You have a child,
3: right? So you have a child. Praise (laughs) God. You have that gift. A lot of women will never have that, that gift of motherhood. Yeah. right and it's like it's yeah. not to say that it's too late but what i mean by that is and, and listen and to be completely frank like my wife is older than me by a few years and is is it i and i mean brendan talked about this is it ideal for a woman to be in her 30s having children no but we so have two you, beautiful like healthy 20. girls yeah. yeah and they're 20s right and i think it's like peak fertility it starts to tip dip after like 27 or 28 something like that and um, we have two beautiful healthy girls with like, it was very easy to get pregnant. And and maybe we're the exceptions to the rule. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's why I, I'm speaking into this, this space so powerfully, because I want these women to wake up before, you know, they even have to think about all these alternative means of getting pregnant. Because I just don't mm-hmm. think it's a God like IVF and all of this other crazy stuff that women are trying to do to get pregnant after the fact. It's like, You're being fed a load of garbage. And I used to think that like feminism had like roots of like good intentions. But really when you look back and you look at like the founding, the members or fathers and mothers of feminism, it was all just to deconstruct the family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was just to invert the family order. It's from communism, isn't it? I don't know a ton about this, but it's an arm of communism. Absolutely. And so...
3: yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of, you know, the points that these women make, it, like it, it it makes sense. It's just not grounded in reality. And a yeah. lot of these people that founded this whole movement were, were men. And so the whole push for, for getting women into the workforce, it wasn't, wasn't for liberation. It's just so they could just tax you. Yeah. Like, yeah. just be honest, yeah. right? Like a lot and of women were forced the you- workforce because of the war. I get that. But the big push, was it like liberation? No, we just want your money.
0: Yeah. And do you believe to dismantle the family unit?
3: Absolutely, because it's undermining patriarchy, right? It's like patriarchy is the devil. It's patriarchy. It's because we're, it's patriarchy that's oppressive. And that's another point that we kind of hammer on about a lot is that the only type of patriarchy that's tyrannical comes from a man that's not submitted to God first. So a man, us all being fallen creatures, men and women, when we are not submitted, that higher authority we don't know how to wield that authority when we are submitted to the higher authority when we have something that god above us downstream from that comes the humility and comes the, the 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 heart of stone that's made the heart of flesh to wield that authority over your your wife and then both of you over your children there's nothing oppressive about patriarchy patriarchy built the west and it comes from good strong virtuous fathers that would live and die by their faith in Jesus,
0: and I think it's important to point out that you know, because often what I'll hear is, "Well, the church has done bad things," and every every um, spiritual institution, there have been predators, there have been people that have done bad things, but that's that's not Christ, that's not Jesus, that's humans that actually have not submitted to God. Yeah,
3: and I think it's one of the worst arguments ever because you're you're conflating the acts of man with the teachings of God. And those two mm. things are like not to be conflated because we're fallen creatures. After the fall, after the the the, the bite into the apple was 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 taken, it, we're now having to consciously choose God. And so what you're seeing within the church is a man problem, is a flesh problem, is not a God problem. Yeah. And so it's really unfortunate how the church has been infiltrated particularly the Catholic Church. It's completely it has been infiltrated by, you know, the woke left and by what I think to be apostates, so people that have completely turned away from the faith. But that is absolutely no reflection on God whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And sorry, just 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 to cut into this conversation. If you hear banging and stuff upstairs, I got young children. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> just just You're to having a together. party
0: upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Right,
3: so I'm trying to get them to quiet down, but it's like impossible. So just yeah. just a, a little you know, funny sidebar there.
0: there's a party happening upstairs. So Andrew Tate, how does he fit into all of it? He's not Christian. He's, is he more like that for that red pill? Is that what he's Mm -hmm. guiding men to do?
3: So a lot of people don't even regard him as like a red pill figure. He's kind of like this entity in and of himself. Um, He's recently converted to Islam, which to me does not seem genuine at all. It's just like the, the religion that seems to fit his, his life and his worldview the most. Um, he is like an ex championship kickboxer turned like, you know, a uh, business mogul, but really where he made his initial millions and millions of dollars was off of uh, webcam girls. And so there's videos all over the internet of him talking about how he would, you know, weaponize his, charm against these women using the lover boy method so getting them to kind of essentially fall in love with him and then he would coax them into doing this this webcam stuff and a lot of times behind the scenes these women would just be like posing on camera but him and his brother Tristan would be actually typing this the dirty talk to these men like basically fleecing them of all their money and then on the back of that he created Hustlers University which is just this you know, it's like it's like essentially a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme for his business, essentially, where you go in, and you plug into his matrix, and he teaches you how to make a bunch of money. Uh, there had there have been like zero millionaires that have come out of that school. It's just his popularity and how viral he's become. He's he's mm-hmm. he's become a cult of personality. Now, with that said, I think it's very easy to crap on him. Um, it's very easy to just say this guy's all bad. Um, I truly think a man like him could be a weapon for good. And a weapon for Christ because he's got some gifts, some intellectual talents, charisma, uh, physical talents. He's obviously in, in, incredibly. Um, his business business acumen is is incredible as well. So I, I look at a man like him and I said, okay, I think there are some really good things here. It's just his heart is hard, and he's prideful, mm-hmm. and he hasn't bent the knee to Christ. If that di- if that guy did that, the the shock wave it would have across the world would be. Impeccable because of his influence, um, and I and I say this I, I say this to say when he mentions Christianity, the only reason why he hasn't converted to Christianity is because well people don't really respect that religion anymore. If you go and look, look at an interview with him and um, Patrick Bad David, that's essentially his whole argument for converting to Islam. People fear Muslim people; it's respected, and therefore makes sense. To me, he sounds like he's a theist of some kind but he's just kind of slightly islamic leaning because it fits his worldview because there's no other religion like christianity that convicts a person
0: Mm.
3: god is reaching down to you saying you know my son or daughter turn away from your ways and look up to me that means like dying to yourself and walking this very narrow path And a lot of people don't want to walk that path. Not a man like him. Look at at the world that he's built for himself. Now all of a sudden he has to submit to a higher authority. His only authority is himself. And so I firmly believe that if you don't kneel at the altar of God, you kneel at the altar of self, which leads to kneeling at the altar of absurdity. Mm. So that's where you kind of see this like grown up adolescent behavior where it's like fast cars and fast women and all this money. And you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That submitting really stood out for me that a lot of humans men and women aren't willing to submit to something greater it's like the word submit and surrender it it feels like it's such a challenge to submit to bow down mm-hmm. i know as a woman but i can imagine as a man it would be yeah yeah it I mean challenge.
3: it goes against our nature, right? because we're like naturally rebellious we want we want to wield the sword, we want to rule the the empire, but then we realize that like absolute power corrupts absolutely. I don't know what the quote is. it's probably Churchill that said that, but um that's what happens to a man. a man that does not have a higher authority, a man that does not recognize his maker eventually becomes a tyrant. So what keeps men fundamentally hu- humble but strong and fierce but fundamentally humble and also completely willing to walk into hell covered in ashes to protect all that is beautiful is his submission to christ like if somebody said to me denounce christ as your savior or i will shoot you in the forehead or i'll kill your family okay i will not i will not denounce that because i know where i'm going and i know my family's going if i denounce that there's a, It's just a deep rooted conviction. Look at how all the apostles ended up in the Bible. They ended up with the, I think it was all but one, died like just horrific deaths. I think John was the only one that didn't die a horrific death. <laughs> Everybody else got strung upside down, beheaded. Now, I could be wrong about that. Like, pardon me in my basic theology, but I know that the vast majority of them died those deaths because they knew it was an honor death or like, this is where I'm going. I'll stand in this lion's den and if they eat me alive, so be it, you know?
0: Yeah. What initiations do you think are missing or maybe rites of passage for men where it guides them on that path of submission? Mm. You know, I think about all the men that I grew up with or just, you know, men in my life outside of the church I've never had this conversation with them, so I could be completely wrong, but I feel like that submission hasn't taken place. And is it something that's missing in our culture?
3: Yeah. So what's interesting about men and women and their initiation is that women have a biological initiation into womanhood. Mm -hmm. So you come to age where you have a period and you you could realistically have a child. That's your initiation into womanhood. You have your cycle, boom, you're a woman. Men don't have that. Men don't even have initiation into masculinity anymore, into manhood. So that leads them in this really sort of like stumbling way to submission to God. And so you get a couple of different paths. You get the men that were, weren't raised with fathers, because historically men would always initiate their sons into manhood, right? They'd kind of leave them in the wilderness, fend for yourself overnight, some kind of like, like literally, way. literally, oh, literally okay. would do this ripping away from the mother at like 15 or 16 that coming of age moment and they come out the other side initiated into manhood like forged in the fire of that adversity we don't have that anymore we have either men that go the routes of criminal behavior and that's like acts as their initiation. You have, you know, men like me that are just stumbling through life, you know, thinking that they got to sleep with all these women and, and, and build businesses. And that's why they're, that's their initiation into manhood without this idea of like, okay, I got to submit to Christ. And that's downstream of that. My masculine identity will be revealed to itself. But even with those men that were raised in the church, there's no essence of masculinity. There's, they've skipped the initiation. They understand the Christ piece, but what's missing is the manhood piece. Mm. And I, a lot of society's problems, I think, could be really boiled down to absent fathers. Yeah, like yeah. it's just it's chaos. It rots a man's spirit, and it's 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 so heavy on him. Like the father wound, and I hate using that term, but it's it's true. Um, it takes a toll. Um, so, how men can do that? This is, I think, part of the reason why I stepped into doing this work. Why I we started the podcast why there's all these, these Christian men that come from very flawed backgrounds like myself and Brendan. Um, because I think you see a couple of levels in the sort of Christian manhood space. You see the level of high theology, all of these brilliant men, Jeff Durbin, Vodi Baca, Michael Foster, Paul Washer, you can name so many that are just deeply, they, they know the faith inside and out. They're very much men of faith, but they kind of almost, not because they try, but Joe in Missouri, that has no idea what they're talking about theologically. It's like, teach me how to be a biblical man. And it's like all this, like all these terms that they don't really know how to understand. There's gotta be a level below them. That's speaking to the man that's in the gutter. And so I don't know if we're kind of providing that initiation. We're just like, Hey dude, you can avoid all this heartache with promiscuity and, and, and the, the pursuit of materialistic desire, choose this way instead. And, you know, that's, that's about as far as I can speak into the initiation, into the initiation piece, because that's what's missing. It really is sorely missing. So you get either grown up children that are grown men, or you get, you know, uh, guys like Tate or criminals worse than that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where addiction comes in so heavily. And I know there is a God component in circles like AA and all of that can, that, you know, that can lead them back to that. But It it seems like addiction kind of runs rampant because of this lack of stepping fully into, you know, a man and um, for women too. I mean, it it just shows up typically different for women.
3: It does. And my problem with AA and stuff is that it's not about God. It's not about Christ. It's about like a higher power. And that could be anybody that you, anything you Mm -hmm. can define. That's my issue with AA. Um, And I've certainly had my woes with substance before. And I think going back to like you know women too it's is if they don't have that example of a father in the home that loves them and values them that treats their mother with honor and respect what what example do they have to work off of yeah so it's like hug your daughters tell them that you love them so another man doesn't tell them that and lie to them because they want something else they have an ulterior motive and i have two i have two girls okay, oh, okay. god's mm-hmm. given me two daughters and i was convinced when my wife was pregnant, we found out with the second one. We didn't find out with the first one. And I remember being convinced it was going to be a boy convinced she's going to be two years old in a week and a half, God willing. Um, it was going to be a boy. So when she came out, I remember distinctly little girl parts from behind look like little boy parts, right? So they're like, Mm -hmm. Mike, you know, whatever gender reveal. And I said, it's a boy. And they all looked at me. They're like, no, no, Mike. And I literally swore out loud oh shit it's a girl that's exactly what i said in that room and my whole ego and everything just like shattered on the floor and i think god has given me two beautiful little girls because of what i've done before and to really humble my heart um it's a huge responsibility having a, a little boy too and they're i think equal in responsibility there's not one greater than the other but i feel like the weight of having two young girls um because if they bring home a man like me, when I was younger, I know I'll have failed. And that's not just in me pouring into them and loving them. It's also to love my wife and pour into her above them. So they see that example. And you just, you just don't see that you see either passivity, you see, you know, absentee fathers, or you just see tyrannical fathers. And so inevitably, you know, women find themselves in the throes of these like, you know, unsavory characters to say the least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, that's beautiful that you have two little girls and it's like you are the model of what a man will be in their life, you know? And I think, yeah, we're, we're kind of breaking ancestral patterns because we're bringing this into awareness. You've brought this into awareness, you know, like my dad cheated on my mom. So then they got divorced and then he had another family for a long time and kind of went absent and, you know, was that his fault? No, he grew up in a really broken home. You know, he could have made other choices, but it was like coming down the line. Whereas, for a lot of us, we're like, it stops with me. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And coming into that role, because what was modeled for me was men leave. I can't yeah. trust him. Right. They leave.
3: To- totally. Totally. And I saw that in my own household too. My dad was a. He cheated on my mom so much and it was so abusive and controlling. And I, I witnessed a lot of that. Um, and it's interesting that you say that um, because before I got married, I was adamant I was going to change my last name. My last name is Pantile. My mother's maiden name is Manorino. So I went by Manorino for, for forever um, because I didn't resolve that issue internally with my father. And so my wife sat me down one day. She's like, you know, our kid is not going to know what you went through. All they're going to know. And part of me, because I always tear up when I say this, all they're going to know is that you're their father. And that's the example that you set for them. And they'll only know and look up to you for that. And like that carries significant weight with me. And so every person goes through, and I did, I wasn't able to fully step into my role as father and husband and Christian until I reconciled that issue with my dad. And so I think everybody goes through three. Cycles with their father, you idolize, you demonize, and then you humanize, and the healing happens in that humanization of him, so, in my promiscuous twenties in doing all that rebellious behavior, I hated him, I didn't want to be anything like him, but what's funny about something that you hate, especially that something being your father, the more that you hate him, the more you become him and that's that was me using drugs, substances promiscuous, all of this stuff is like, oh my God, I'm like a walking, talking example of who he was and is. And then I came around and I started to really humanize him. And just like, you know, what my wife said and what you said about being like the cycle breaker was like, I have the opportunity to be the one that breaks the cycle. That is a new chain in an old link of generational trauma, generational curse. And what really made me step back was like, man, my father was probably not raised very well he was he was probably abused or neglected as a child and he doesn't know what he doesn't know and that could that that's influenced everything i don't speak to him now but i know i carry no resentment, resentment toward him anymore in fact my heart is so heavy for him i want him to be saved i want his salvation because i realized like his father probably wasn't good to him and downstream from that was like his father wasn't good to him either like his grandfather and so in that humanization ca- came All of the healing. And that happened all like after I came back to Christ was like. And I remember my father sending me some really explicitly, really awful messages after I became a Christian, especially openly professing, you know, my belief and getting baptized. But I remember my only reaction was sadness for him. And in that moment, I'll never forget I was in the gym and I was in the washroom and I ended up in tears by myself. And I said, You know, God, thank you for healing my heart, because I look at this man as like a, a broken boy. And if you can humanize your father and come to that reconciliation and know that your father in heaven can fill that wound and then some and rebuild you in his image as he's made you in his image, that's where all the healing occurs. And then since then, you know, I'm not a perfect father, a perfect husband, but I've been able to really step into that. My heart has now become seriously, seriously soft to that as well. So mm-hmm. and part of that was part of the reason I named my page, even just my, my own name was so I had to confront my name every single day. I like guess Mike Pantile, Mike Pantile. And now I look behind me on this banner and it says my name. And I'm proud is not the right word because I don't think pride is a good thing, but I'm I'm not unhappy with it I'm happy with it. I'm grateful to God that God gave me that and that opportunity to sort of rewrite the script. So sorry to be long-winded about it, but that's one of those things that, that hits really it hits really hard for me.
0: Mm, yeah, you can stand in it as yeah. Your name, Yeah. Yeah. I love I love that. And thank you for for sharing that because it is, we have an opportunity, we have access to so much information, so much truth where we can break those generational patterns. And and I just think, you know, like finding that healing and forgiveness and love, like the humanization of the humans on this planet.
3: um, Totally. And if you like, if you can look at your own parents that way, if they've done you any kind of wrong, It's easy, way easier for you to look at other humans that are flawed, and 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 really see the heart of like, man, I wish they just knew God. All of this suffering could go away. All of this like this malice, everything that they carry that's negative, could go away. It really does fundamentally soften your heart because I see men that are in their fifties and sixties and that carry the father wound still, and it's it's heartbreaking because they've carried this weight like it's been strapped to their ankle their whole life, and it's like, dude, you can cut it off. There's a way to do this. there's a way to do this man it's just like you become hardened in your pride especially as a man as you get older we're like me and god are on the outs it's like no you're not on the outs you're on the outs with him but he's not on the outs with you my man he's knocking on the door you just got to open that door and, and accept him because and this is what's so unique about christianity versus other you know religions belief systems is that it's the only religion in which god is reaching down to us In every other religion, you're kind of looking up to this like obscure figure, legalistically ticking off these boxes. So you end up going to the higher place. But with Christianity is that he, that hand was Jesus. Here's my son, follow him. The only way to get to me is through him. I'm giving you this opportunity. Why are you not taking this gift? You know what I mean? And so when you kind of, when I started to look at it from that perspective, I'm like, man that's that's immensely powerful
0: for men that you know might be lost or just like yeah going through life going through the motions kind of doing what everybody does what would be your advice to them to you know i what would you say is the most important thing as a man
3: oh i mean that, that goes without saying i mean we've been talking about jesus for this almost the entirety of this podcast it's reconnecting with your faith reconnecting with God Um, that's 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 number one now if you're a man that's already if you're already there and you're a Christian um, and you you, I did a talk with uh, Will Spencer he did a renaissance of men digital series and I was assigned the topic of boldness and I think a lot of you know let's say you haven't you you don't have your faith in order Get your faith in order. Reconnect with, with Christ and that your soul is seeking for something. That's that's number one. Now, when it comes to more worldly things, practically speaking, all men need to reconnect with the toil of physical labor. And so I'm not saying go we'll get a blue-collar job. My blue-collar brothers out there know this. But what I mean is get yourself in the gym. That's just the gateway to everything good. And that's happened to me. I lost over 100 pounds. I started a personal training business. I was successful all happened on the backs of realizing that physical potential that the glory of 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 a man of a young man is his strength it says that in 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 proverbs reconnect yourself with the toil of of being a man because there's also a philosophical element there too adam after he took the bite of the apple was banished to the world to just render render resources from the from the earth in order so he could eat to facilitate him actually living in painful toil and so all men have roots in labor And so it also reconnects a man, even back, you you think back to the Crusades where they actually went to war for their their belief. It reconnects a man with the the desire to grip the broadsword and go to battle, right? So like even gripping iron in a gym, there's something very carnal about that. Um, Another thing is learn how to protect yourself. Learn a martial art. A lot of guys out here are addicted to porn, video games, smoking marijuana, drinking too much, eating crap food. Um, just slaves to dopamine that have not done anything with their physical bodies. They look upon their bodies as me- merely a means of transportation for their heads instead of having like there's this one collective holistic thing that God has created. Um, and I think the third essential thing too is is it's not just because I'm in a men's group with Brendan, but getting yourself within a circle of brothers, men that hold you accountable. It also says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, a man sharpens another. Um And that's incredibly important because men live isolated lives now, and men are not meant to be islands unto themselves. There's no such thing as the lone wolf. The lone wolf always dies alone in in the wilderness in a brutal death. I think if a man can reconnect with his faith, get himself in the gym, get himself physically strong and healthy, learn how to protect himself and the ones around him, and then get himself in a circle of brothers where he's being shown uh, accountability, love, and heat, all three of those things all men need. I think he's well on his way. And then from there, of course, like pursuing higher financial status and stuff is all very important from the provisionary aspect. But like at the principal ground level, a man's got to do those things. If a man does those things, he's going to come out the other end a more masculine man. And that's what young men need to hear. And that's why, you know, I do the coaching and the mentorship that I do. Um, Getting a mentor is obviously, you know, a good thing too. Um, Doesn't replace brotherhood, doesn't replace the gym, doesn't replace knowing how to protect yourself. So that's what I would say like the the blueprint
0: would be. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.